Hey, it's Deacon here. I'm hosting a new workshop called Hiring Secrets to help you find the right people who will take your business to the next level. Join me live on April 6th, and I'll show you my biggest secrets and tools to building a high-performance team. Get all the details at deaconbradley.com, click the Hiring Secrets link in the menu, or check today's show notes for all the links you need. Now, let's get back to the podcast. If your title of CEO really means chief everything officer, then listen up. Welcome to the Sharp Business Growth Podcast, the show for founders and CEOs who want to get out of the day-to-day weeds and back into growth mode. I'm your host, Deacon Bradley, and on today's show, I am joined by Richard Shaw from Unleashed CEO. I love hanging out with Richard. He is a true visionary entrepreneur, but here's the cool part. He also spent five years being an integrator and playing that role as the number two himself. So Richard truly understands both sides of the visionary integrator relationship, how CEOs and COOs should work together. His company, Unleashed CEO, helps visionary CEOs go from alone to unleashed by finding and hiring their number two. And then here's the other cool part. He further supports them to help build that CEO, COO relationship, make sure it's healthy, make sure it's productive and functioning and firing on all cylinders. So buckle up. We're covering a lot of ground today. Here's my conversation with Richard Schull. Richard, welcome to the show today. How are you doing? So good, man. Really glad to be here and excited about what we're going to talk about. I am so excited because we've had a number of conversations now. I leave every single one of them so fired up and so clear uh, because there are so many people out here who need what it is that that you are helping them with. And like I said, I'm just super excited about this today. Today, we're going to be where I kind of want to start this conversation is around this concept of like, I love it when you talk about what CEO <laughs> means to people before they start working with you. Give me kind of that picture of kind of the before point. And I think people listening to this are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's that's me, unfortunately. <laughs> well, hey, the only reason I can speak intelligently to this is because I lived it myself. So we we say for most CEOs, their title stands for chief everything officer. And nobody intends to become a chief everything officer, right? Nobody starts their business going like, man, I want to be at the center of my business and have everything depend on me or ultimately a lot of things fall back in my lap. But naturally, as entrepreneurs who grow stuff organically, build stuff on the fly, pivot and adapt, you get to this point typically in an entrepreneurial company where the owner founder is still, um, you know, the CEO, but they're not actually operating as a CEO. They're operating as the central hub for everything. Um, and I love to think about it as like, you know, the the nucleus of an atom, right? Their business is kind of built around them. It was built around them by necessity, but as a result, they've actually become its greatest bottleneck. And that's where, you know, I was, you know, eight, eight uh, to 10 years ago uh, when I was running multiple of my companies and like, it literally almost killed me. I was running multiple companies and um, got to this point where like it literally just almost broke me. Um, I remember breaking down, like literally coming into my spare room, shutting the door, curling up in a fetal position in the corner and crying out to God for help where I, I, I literally questioned, you know, 
am I an entrepreneur and do I have what it takes to be a CEO? And so I know a lot of people have reached that moment too in their journey. And that's what I call being a chief everything officer. I know that moment of do I have what it takes is a question on so many leaders' minds. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. I love that. I think it's, how do you, so I work with a lot of clients and who are kind of in the stage where, you know, in the beginning, it's just you. And then you get a few people around you, but they're usually support type roles and doing things like that. At some point you have to, I see people kind of staring at this gulf where it's like, how do I make that hire that is like a COO level thing? How do I know if I'm ready for that or if I'm jumping the gun or if I just should hire even more support level staff and, and tie even more spokes to the hub? Like, how do you, how do you think about that? That's a great question, man. And the first thing I would say is the fact that you're asking the question reveals something, right? Which reveals that you're self-aware about the fact that you are probably not the right person in the right seat, as my friends at EOS would say, when it comes to running and managing the day-to-day operations of your company, right? You've hit the ceiling. You've capped out your management and leadership capacity. And the first thing I would say to somebody in that position is congratulations. And I mean it. A lot of businesses never make it to that stage. So the fact that you've grown your business to a level where it has outgrown your capacity as a manager is a testament to the fact of you building something really cool. So congratulations. And then the second thing I would say is on the back of that congratulations is you fired. As Donald <laughs> Trump would say, right? Um, so, so congratulations, entrepreneur and like manager, you know, day-to-day manager, like you're fired. Like you, you need to do the intelligent thing for your business, which is put your, your, your owner investor hat on, take your, you know, entrepreneur hat off where you're like, this is my baby and I'm so invested in it and can it run without me? Put your owner investor hat on and go, do you actually get, want, and have the capacity to be the day-to-day manager of your company? And if most entrepreneurs are self-aware and honest with themselves, they would say no. They would say no, right? They're, They're ideas people, they're, they're, uh, they're salespeople, they're promoters, they're speakers, they're ideators, they're partnership builders, they're relationship uh, connectors. That's who they are. It's actually what allowed their company typically to grow to where it is. But now your team and your staff needs a whole new set of skills that you are not great at and you don't even love to do. Day-to-day management, people management, financial management, uh, adhering to a strategic plan, consistent communication, clear delegation, uh, project management, all of these things that most entrepreneurs just die from the neck up as soon as you ask them to do. <laughs> right? That's a good way to put it. <laughs> right? It just... It's just, it's, it's so, it's so killing for, for so many of them. And you can wrestle through it for a season, but I think the first thing you have to do, man, is just have an open and honest conversation with yourself to go like, I'm not the right person to take my company to the next level within this seat. And I absolutely am the right person to take my company to the next seat as the visionary of my company, as the CEO who's focused on future growth and expansion. And I think as soon as you, in your own mind, delineate between those two roles, your role as a visionary CEO and the day-to-day manager or COO of your company is when breakthrough starts to happen. So that's what I'd say first, but I'd love your feedback on that before I go any further. 
something you said there that really, really stuck out to me because I, I had a visionary point this out to me in a recent conversation. And since then I have enjoyed watching this moment of, of understanding and epiphany happen on other visionaries faces. And it was when you were kind of describing the, like, like what got them here was all of these visionary traits. All of the things you described are like, that's why they exist. That's why your business is successful right now. If you're listening to this, but it's also the thing that will prevent it from getting bigger. If the day-to-day still reports to the person who's good at those things. And that what I guess you here won't get you there. <laughs> it's so that's literally true. what and one mentor said to me when I was stuck in that period, he said that to me and it forever changed my life. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but he said it so concise. What got you here won't get you there. I think what's really fascinating about that or the kind of aha moment that I have seen visionaries have is this part where it's like, I have, you've reached a here. Here's the belief change. I guess I would say the, to get to that next level, it is not about listening to this podcast to get better tips on processes. Mm. It is not about reading a better book. You're not going to install EOS and now you're good at running the day to day. Like none of those things are true. They're all helpful tools, but it's a who that's missing because you Mm. need to keep being you and like, and somebody else needs to pick up these things. Hold my beer, Deacon, because <laughs> here we go. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep going. Like you're keep unleashing going, something here, dude. I, you, you hit it so hard. I mean, all of the great entrepreneurial mentors on the planet actually preach the same advice. The problem is entrepreneurs are such bootstrappers. We are so unwilling to. We're so high optimist, and we have this incredible belief that we can do anything, which is amazing. But the truth is, you can't do everything. You can't do anything. You shouldn't do everything. And my favorite, you know, thing that you just said when I talk to entrepreneurs about this is most entrepreneurs are asking the wrong question, which is how can I do this? How can I get this done? When they should be asking who can help me do this? Who can help get this done? And that that single shift in mindset I find is the number one distinction between CEOs who are successful and those who don't. They the, the CEOs I know who succeed, the entrepreneurs I know who succeed, focus on their strengths and they surround themselves with people who are great at their constraints, right? They delegate their constraints. And that shift will, will take you from being the chief everything officer and the center nucleus in your business to actually elevating your identity to being an unleashed CEO who can have vision for a company, but not have to be in control of anything. That's the dream. We're, we're going to talk about how to get that who in a second. Cause I know, you know, exactly how to do that. <laughs> Give me some, we've talked a little bit about like, yeah, you know, stay in the visionary seat. What are some symptoms that you see when it, when somebody's maybe held onto the day to day too long? Like what, what, if you shared some of these things and you're listening to this podcast, you might be like, Oh ah, yeah, that's me. He got me. Uh, what should that they, ties, what would they be noticing? Well, that ties in perfectly to what you asked before too, which I didn't answer very well, but you know, how was, would someone know that they're ready to hire a COO or ready to bring on an integrator to their visionary, you know, so to speak. And, um, I would say the symptoms are, are the signs, right? The signs that you're ready. So one thing I would say is what I already mentioned, which is if you notice that, the management 
day-to-day management needs of the business have outpaced your skill set and your capacity. You're finding yourself at the end of your days frustrated and burned out because you feel the pull of all of this important strategic work that you should be doing, building partnerships, marketing initiatives, you know, the future of the company. You feel the pull of that and you get to the end of the day and you're just frustrated because you didn't work on any of it. And you spent the whole day putting out fires and, you know, talking down team members and helping them do their jobs, which is even with a great team, like is something that's needed, right? And there's people who thrive on that. You just don't happen to be one of them, right? So when you notice that you're just, you're spending so much of your time there um, and and you're doing that. Now, let me pivot to the other side because there's another dysfunction here where somebody might go, well, you know, I don't, I don't feel that way. Well, the other side of this is you might be numb and that's called burnout. Okay. And so if you don't feel like there's all this important work, in fact, you've kind of lost vision for your company. You're kind of like in maintenance mode and survival mode, and you're just trying to get through day to day and keep the wheels on the bus. That is also a sign that you have lost touch with what made you great as an entrepreneur. And you have died from the neck up, um, buried in the day to day, right? (laughs) It's like, we got to resurrect you friend, like put the E, the not EMP, but whatever it is, the the things they use to shock people. I can't think of what it's called right now. Um, to shock people awake, we got to put that on your chest and get your heart beating again um, with vision. And the only way to do that is to actually get you strategically back into a place of restedness and back into a place of vision and and operating out of your strengths instead of operating out of your constraints. So I would say in either of those two scenarios. Um, that's really the sign and it, that, that you, you're, you're at a point where you can't do that. A couple of the things that are practical, but, but I think these are all like, there's some flexibility around these, right? <clears throat> there, it's tough because if you're a startup, you can get a co-founder integrator or COO. It, it, it works. Um, it's very difficult. Um, but it, but it, it can happen. If you're a small business, I've seen some really small businesses do this successfully. But generally speaking, if we're talking about you wanting to go to market for somebody who can fully own and manage your business day to day for you and you just fully elevate into the um, the CEO role, you're probably going to need to at minimum be a million plus in revenue. That's not again, there are rules and exceptions, but as a rule, you you probably need to be thinking about that. Um the the second thing I would say uh, is is beyond just finances. Um, let me add one caveat to that. Either a million more revenue or there's at least a million or more easily unlocked in growth potential that year by getting yourself out of that seat. Like I've actually walked into some situations with companies that have multiple millions locked up and they just, the visionary is held on for so long. They're just like the bottleneck. And it's like, dude, this is stupid. Like you just need to, let go of control, bring somebody in to run the show. And like, I've, I've literally seen it multiple millions of dollars unlocked over the course of a single year, just by getting somebody out of the day to day who was, who was not the right fit. The second thing I would say, another, um, thing that, that you need to kind of know before you do this is you need to have the right mindset. Um, and the, the right mindset means you're willing to trust and let go of control. And those are really difficult for entrepreneurs who are inherently control freaks and care deeply about the businesses that they've built, almost to the extent that they 
it's like Gollum with the ring sometimes. It's just like, <laughs> my precious, Ebony. you know, and they just like, they just don't want to let go of anything. And it's like, if you have that mindset, this won't work for you. Like this transition, you're going to have to do some work there and, and be willing to trust and let go of control. And the final thing I would say is like finance finances, of course, like you do have to consider that although hiring this person could unlock exponential growth for your business, you need to feel confident in your ability as a CEO to either go and raise the money, make the money, or you have the money. And and I think those those are, are some things to, to consider before you make that jump. Let's talk about who. So we're, we're getting our mindset right out of the how weeds where we we've now established this is a who problem. These people are out there. Apparently Richard, you know where to find them. <laughs> Tell we me do. a little bit about, I know this is like your sweet spot. This is where you live matchmaking visionaries and integrators, helping them go from alone to unleashed. Tell me a little bit more about that. And, uh, and then I want to talk about like those relationships going forward. And like, let's, let's take people to Disneyland of what this is supposed to look like if they're feeling like dead from the neck up right now. Yeah. Well, first of all, what I would say is there is something inherently broken with the typical staffing and recruiting methods that most recruiters employ and most Uh, small businesses and entrepreneurial companies employ, especially in today's market, right? Everybody's talking about the great resignation and how hard it is to get talent, how hard it is to retain talent. What I would say is the inherent flaw in uh, entrepreneurial companies that I see especially is that you are at a massive disadvantage as an entrepreneurial company if you are recruiting like everyone else, okay? You don't have the fancy benefit package, pay grade, or prestige of a larger company, and you will likely attract B player candidates. And the worst part is hiring like a staffing firm doesn't help with that, doesn't solve anything. You've just outsourced the issue to somebody else who's going to replicate the same results. Okay. So it's inherently broken for entrepreneurial companies. And because of that, we like really went back to the drawing board and went, what competitive advantages does an entrepreneurial company have that makes some companies who are very entrepreneurial able to attract top talent? And with that, we created what we call our opportunity recruiting methodology, which leverages the, the key competitive advantage you do have as an entrepreneurial company, which is your vision and growth opportunity. Okay. So I won't go into all the psychology of it, but people, people's brains are activated by opportunities far differently than they are by information. Most people are posting jobs, which is information. What you need to do is get great at crafting a compelling vision and then packaging that vision into an opportunity that someone sees themselves opting into. And that opportunity is a bridge for them to become the best version of themselves. I don't want to get too deep here, but if you've studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs, okay, what do people on the top tiers of Maslow's hierarchy of needs desire? They desire self-actualization and transcendence. That is where the very best people are living, my friend. They're not living out of aesthetic needs. They're not living out of survival needs. They're living to self-actualize and leave a legacy. And so you need to use your opportunity as a vehicle to speak to those people using the power of your vision, your culture, your mission, and the impact they could make in their role. That's what's going to attract these type, these integrator type candidates. Because very often they don't need a job, but they are looking for an amazing opportunity and vision to partner with. I love this. 
it, it's reminding me, we did a, an episode a, a while back. I forget the exact number, but Justice, my co-host, basically interviewed me as an integrator and, you know, and was like, what, what, what are you looking for? What makes you interested versus not interested, attracted versus not attracted? And you could probably sum it all up based on what you just shared right there. It's like, I'm, I'm looking as an integrator myself, as you're talking about that, I'm like, yes, that's what I want. I want to go build a vision that's exciting and cohesive and all that stuff. Like, that's what I want. And it's so often missing, especially in that, with that information approach, it's really it, from as an integrator, when I see the information approach, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of tasks you want me to do. <laughs> right. That's thrilling. I would love so, to do those tasks. So <laughs> thrilling. Yeah. So <laughs> thrilling. Yeah. And, and most people don't realize like, <clears throat> just their, their recruiting sucks. Their, their, their staffing strategy sucks. It's built for in a completely different era where people were expected to just show up to work and do their job and collect a paycheck. The modern workforce does not want that. They have opportunity they have uh, flexibility, they have options. And so this is an opportunity for us as leaders to step into our competitive advantage as an entrepreneurial company and outperform big, outdated hierarchical organizations, right? By using our vision. And so this requires you as a CEO to get clear about that vision, crystallize it, condense it, sharpen it, hone it, refine it. As we like to say, I always say uranium isn't even dangerous until it's refined. The same is true with your vision. Okay. You can have lots of vision and spray it everywhere, but until you refine it so that's so sharp, it can pierce somebody's heart and make them want to come be a part of it. You don't have a clear vision. And so that's what we really help our clients do is hone and sharpen that vision. So it's dangerous and then weaponize it into an opportunity we can take to the market. That's going to pull talent out of the market that nobody else is able to extract. I love that metaphor. I can't wait to see what retargeting ads show up now that I'm going to start talking about enriching uranium and how important <laughs> that is, but that is really powerful. And it's so true. Uh, also, so you have mastered this, you and your company, you guys have figured out how to, how to take people's and help sharpen the vision, do all this front front loading stuff, fire, uh, find the COO, not fire them, <laughs> find the integrator. Hopefully not. Sometimes we have to fire the current one and then, and then bring in the right one. But you know, find that person, bring them into the team. Like those are all in your wheelhouse. What I, what I'm curious about is, and, and so like, I'm, I'm glossing over some of this because I'm like, guys, Richard can do this for you. Like we don't need a how to podcast on, on that part. Talk a little bit about this concept, though, of once that person is on board, it can still work or not work because you still have 100%. to actually like master your roles to be able to fit together well. Talk a little bit about that, the importance of that component and, and how that works. <clears throat> well, I, I just want to start by saying if you follow the process up to this point, this becomes a lot easier. And when I say follow the process, I mean, get your mindset right before you ever make this hire recognize what the issues are, and then hire using the power of your vision as the leverage to attract the right person. If you get all of that right, it solves about 70% of your issues. A lot of the issues I find in the relationship these people have is because expectations and vision weren't clear on the front end. The CEO hadn't truly let go of control. The integrator didn't actually feel empowered. They're not fully bought into the vision. There's all, there's 70% of the issues get eliminated if you follow the process up to this point. The other issues that really pop up that I see most often are number one, onboarding. Um, you only get one chance to make a good first impression. And you will set the 
temperature of the relationship based on how well you do in the first 90 days. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked how often somebody will throw money down the drain on a really key hire with zero plan on how to actually empower them well. And it's just kind of like, figure it out by the seat of our pants. That's a bad strategy. I promise you it will, especially with the type of person we're bringing in. If the expectation and mindset is like, oh, I'm just going to bring them in and they're going to figure out how to support me and run the company day to day. It's like bad plan. Like you will have mismet expectations guaranteed. You will destroy trust. You will make that person not feel empowered, undervalued. And ultimately you will have a tough time retaining someone who's really good. And the people you do retain probably weren't that good in the first place. Um, <laughs> Cause they're, they're just willing to be like walked over and, and, and not empowered well. And the, the best, they're just not going to, they're not going to put up with that. So I, I would say the first thing is just having a super clear checklist This is what we work on with clients for exactly when certain things need to happen in the onboarding process and exactly when certain responsibilities get fully handed off and delegated to the point where at that point, you're only managing outcomes. You're clarifying vision and you're just, all you care about is if the outcome gets, gets hit. Otherwise the person has full ownership of how it gets done. Like, like really outlining that and then. Um, making sure that the expectations about the relationship are really level set well in the onboarding process. You form a, a good foundation of what communication cadences look like between the two of you, um, who's responsible for what, and making sure that you're just not stepping on each other's toes. Everybody has unique, particular, even healthy people have dysfunctions, fears, insecurities. You just kind of got to go in knowing that you're going to ruffle each other's feather a little bit, but when you do, quickly have the healthy conflict you need to have and you need to have spaces created for that so that you can reset, have the hard conversation, share the last 10%, as Lencioni says, build trust as a result and then put a process and a system in place so it doesn't happen again, right? Let me ask you this real fast because as you're describing that, I'm like, wow, that is, that is that definitely sounds like it would go smoother. But in the back of my mind, if I'm putting myself in a CEO's shoes, the kind of like question going through my mind is that sounds great, Richard, please don't look inside my business. It's not nearly organized enough to do that. I'm trying to find an integrator because I don't have SOPs. I don't know how to hand them a process to manage. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to shamelessly promote, but it's literally why we built our company Deacon because like just, just to make everybody listening feel better. I have never been behind the scenes of an entrepreneurial company who has a great onboarding process. Like this sounds arrogant, but like, I'm like, we only have one. I I was about to say something arrogant, but then I'm like, well, the only reason we have one is because we have an amazing integrator. Right. (laughs) So like, like it's easy for me to say that. So no shame, just understand that to whatever level you can put attention to this, do so with, do it with all of your might. Because because whatever you do will be better than an unintentional plan. Um, And and again, this is one of the things we work on with clients because it's so critical, but it's often very hard for the CEO to do it for themselves. Like you can't read the label from inside the jar as Joe Polish famously says. And we just really like with our clients, we kind of came to the realization. It's sort of unfair to ask a visionary CEO to empower and train and delegate and onboard an integrator when they've never done it before. Right. Like they just don't know how because <laughs> they've never done it before. So it, so so I, I, I get the concern. And, and what I would say is, you know, get some help, get some wise mentors who have done it before. 
Um, and, and also know that any intentional plan to do so will be better than winging it. The one other thing I would say, the, the last part on um, making sure that you retain this person is investing in development in your roles. I can't tell you how many you know, visionary integrator duos or CEO, COO duos fail or just fall into mediocrity because the stat, they just kind of establish a status quo and a temperature for the relationship that just slowly degrades over time. And there's something about being in a peer group with other high performing people who have met and, and having mentors who have mastered what it looks like to be a visionary CEO and mastered what it looks like to play the integrator function and mastered how to work the two together. The, the main thing I would tell someone is like, as you step into this relationship, be intentional to get into relationship with other people who have done this successfully. Um, get, get, get mentors in your life, ask for their feedback on how they've done it successfully, get your integrator in relationship with some other integrators who are doing it successfully that I can't emphasize enough the value of that peer group and those mentors who are ahead of you, um, in helping you guys stay very high performing and keeping the standard of your relationship very high at that mastery level. I love that advice. Uh, that one really hits home personally. I have been an integrator to a CEO who had never had an integrator. Incredible visionary. Uh, it didn't really work out. And a lot of it was, I mean, we made a, a lot of the mistakes that were on this list that you shared. Uh, and I think a lot of those could have been more aware earlier that those mistakes were being made had we been surrounded on both sides, uh, at both levels, I should say by people who had been there before. Richard, there are, I have like a, a really long list of questions and things we should talk about that we didn't get to today. I'm sure we'll be doing this again at some point because this is such a meaty topic. And this is, I get so excited about it because this is the thing to frankly use your brand name and a plug for you that unleashes people to that next level. Uh, so again, I get to get so excited about it. I know you do too. This has been super fun. Who should be looking for you and tell them where to go find you? Yeah, so specifically, we we um, specialize in really helping, um, you know, small to medium sized companies. Uh, in rare cases, we work with startups who are kind of have VC backing or some significant funding um, who really know either from the get go or through experience that the CEO and founder is more of a visionary and not the person who should be running the day to day operations of the company. Um, typically with that said, um, you know, the best way to get in touch with us and just learn about what we do is to go to unleashed.ceo, just our main website. There's no.com. It's just unleashed.ceo type it in. I promise it'll work. Um, and there's, we've got all sorts of resources. We have blogs, we have a podcast, uh, we have some free trainings and, and materials you can download and that will kind of get you into our ecosystem where we'll get to, you know, keep relevant value added content in front of you. And ultimately we'll give you the opportunity to reach out when the time is right, uh, to, to learn about how we could help walk you through that exact process we talked about today. I love it unleashed.ceo richard your content is incredible it's a, it's amazing you guys go check it out uh, you are truly an expert at what you do thank you so much for coming on the show today thanks for joining us today on the sharp business growth podcast hey if you're a founder or ceo and you're listening to this 
You have a team of three to 30 people and you want to get yourself out of the day-to-day weeds, get your business back into growth mode, then I can help you. Head on over to sharpbusinessgrowth.com, click on the Let's Talk button, tell me about your business, we'll schedule a time to talk. I am on a mission to help business leaders bring their visions to life. And the way that I do that is by freeing you from the day-to-day operation weeds so that you can get back to building. If this sounds like you, find me at sharpbusinessgrowth.com. See you next week.